This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. And so this evening, I wanted to share a short message with us. Uh, it's just actually in continuation of our uh, Leap Over a Wall series. Have you been enjoying just this journey through David's life? Looking at all these different aspects, I, I've been surprised by some of the, the things that, have been, that the Lord's been highlighting and also just even challenging me personally uh, on and just how, how we're living and, and sometimes even some of the narratives or the stories we enjoy uh, that we, we kind of like to camp with, but then looking at other aspects of David's life. And tonight, um, initially when, when, we, when I was planning this uh, message, I, I remember even, even in our preachers meeting, the, the guys are like, listen, how are we going to make this connection, you know? Um, we've looked at, at David and Goliath, we've looked at David and Mephibosheth, we've looked at David and Abigail this past uh, Sunday, this coming Sunday, we're going to be looking at David and Bathsheba, you know, that's it's two chapters of the Bible made up for this story, it's a, big, a bit of an important one, I'm excited to hear what uh, Murdoch's going to be sharing with us uh, on that, but, but today we're going to be looking at the parallel between David and Jesus, and now, so, so many of us know this, the story of David. He was anointed as king at age roughly about 13. He, he, he was uh, the overlooked son, you know, the one that, like, mm, I don't know if much is going to come of this one, but, you know, he's, he's, but it says that he, he was rough and ruddy, you know, he was good looking, but um, often overlooked even by his own family. But God set him apart for a specific role and purpose and plan. And obviously, he's going to return. As he rose and ascended into heaven, he promised us that he was going to return. And, and we should not lose heart. Just as David didn't lose heart of God's purpose in his life, would surely come to pass in Jesus' life that the things God promised over him surely came to pass. And even in our lives as believers, surely the promises of the Lord is going to come to pass. And so as we look at David and uh, Jesus, we see a, a, a clear parallel between them. David was a, a man who was set apart by God, called, established in the line of, of Abraham. Uh, God gave him many promises that would bring uh, fulfillment. We see that he was a picture uh, of Christ. Uh, he was a prophet, a priest, and a king. Uh, we see how he was a worshiper as a, as a, as a priest, someone who, who often even entered into uh, the, the temple. There's those moments where he comes in and even eats some of the bread that was reserved for the priests only. You know, David was someone that understood entering into God's presence and, and could go into the God's presence with boldness, uh, even sometimes breaking the, the law, but he understood something of the heart of God. He was also obviously... A prophet, if we look at uh, his psalms and even some of the, the realities that he faced, he was often hearing and, and, and interceding and uh, consulting God in all of his decisions, but also in some of the things he wrote. I mean, we're still walking in that. You know, Psalm 23, just this week on Monday, um, I, I, I conducted a funeral for someone. And, you know, Psalm 23 is one of our go-tos there. It's like, but is, is that really a reality for you and I, you know, for David, it was a reality. The Lord is my shepherd, but he's speaking of Christ Jesus being our shepherd uh, and God. So he was a prophet, but he was also a king, someone that was anointed and set apart for a specific task, for a specific calling. 
And, um, and I see, you know, it's just in Psalm um, 89, God gives him this promise, David that is. He says, I have found David my servant with my holy oil. I have anointed him so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. David had this very sure, uh, an assurance of God's anointing and call upon his life. And God also gave him this promise that through his lineage, a king would come who would not just be an earthly king, but it would actually be the king of kings. And that's Jesus. And we see how, how those parallels um, come together. And so just as David is an example for us in the Old Testament, uh, his faith, his willingness to trust God, uh, his willingness to, to actually take God at his word and, and many times step out in faith, uh, risking, if you will, um, was a picture of what Christ would do for us. And I, I just love this, this um, passage in 2 Samuel 22. He says, if by you I can run against the troop, this is David speaking to God, and by my God I can leap over a wall. So David believed that he could leap over walls. He could overcome any obstacle that would come. Jesus knew and understood and trusted in his God, his Father, that he would do more than just leap over a wall. He would leap over sin and death and ultimately ascend to his father. And tonight I'm going to look at a couple of um, parallels and, and pictures just around David and Jesus, but I'm also going to hopefully give us a, a bit of a glimpse of where you and I fit in to the story because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus overcame sin and death for us and so that we would be able to live. But the first thing I want us to see is that, that both David and Jesus were anointed by God set apart, chosen for a specific task, and God declared over them his desire to use them. So what is the anointing? It's, it's a special empowerment. It's not just some oil that's running down. It's like, well, cool, now I'm lubricated. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm, <laughs> he's trying to catch me now. You know, you're going to struggle to take hold of me. I can move forward. No, no, actually, it is a special empowerment, a spiritual dynamic that takes hold of someone's life. And so David, as we see, um, obviously, in um, 1 Samuel chapter 16, he has this moment where he's called, and Samuel the prophet anoints him uh, and sets him apart. But in Jesus' life, the same thing um, happens, uh, not physically with oil, but certainly an affirmation of that where we see in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news for the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He has set, uh, to set at liberty those who are um, oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus himself was anointed by God, set apart for this will and plan that God would have. And so we see how Jesus, by the Spirit, was empowered to fulfill his earthly ministry and ultimately even was risen from the dead by the, the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And then, you know, as we've, we've seen, he met with and appeared to um, so many of his, his followers at one time meeting, you know, appearing to 500 people, as we've seen. You know, it's amazing how, um, you know, in that moment, can you imagine, like us just hearing, like Jesus appears, and speaks to us, and shows us, and reveals to us his purpose, and the fact that he has been set apart. 
And so both David and Jesus were anointed by God for a specific purpose and mission. You and I need to see this, that the anointing that we receive from God is for purpose. Not just so that I can have a goosebumps moment and say, oh, I can hear God's voice and it feels so good. So many believers live just in that level of, of the anointing, in that level of God's um, special empowering. And not realizing that the purpose for the anointing was actually to accomplish a mission. For David, it was that he would become king. And I mean, he faced some things, and we're going to look at that. But he was willing to overcome those things in the power of what God had provided for him. Because he understood God had set him apart. For you and I as believers, we realize that, that um, we have been anointed by God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, it says, Paul writes, he says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. How does he make us stand firm? He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Friends, because Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit could come and you and I could receive the anointing of God. David was anointed. Jesus was anointed, but you and I are also anointed. Not just so simply, like I said, for a, for a goosebumps moment, but actually for mission. I want to ask you, how are you doing with the mission that God has entrusted to you? How are you doing with the anointing that God's placed upon your life? And are you stewarding it? Are you bringing those things to, to fruition, to fullness? Or are you neglecting it? Are you allowing it to, to lay aside, you know, at one side and say, well, one day when I'm ready, you know, or one day when Jesus returns, then I'll be like, hey, Lord, look, thanks, hey, thanks for that anointing. But what have I done with it? The second reality that we need to see if we look at the parallel between David and Jesus and even for ourselves is that both David and Jesus experienced rejection and suffering. This is an important aspect to see because David, even though he knew he was king, anointed, chosen by God in the presence of witnesses, everybody in his village knew that something went down. We know that because when Samuel rolled into town, everyone was like, oh my word, the prophet is here. Thunderbolts and lightning, that's kind of what they were, were expecting. They were expecting something to happen. So everybody knew there was an awareness of the anointing and David being anointed and chosen by God for a specific purpose. But there was a time of testing and trial and suffering that David had to endure. Some of it was God-ordained. Some of it came because of his own choices. A lot of it came because of other people and the enemy's work in his life. Saul opposing David at every turn, looking for opportunities to, to bring him down, to bring into doubt that which God had called him to. Perhaps in the same way Jesus experienced, you know, probably even worse than what David experienced, the suffering, the ridicule, the rejection. But he endured that to the point of shedding his blood on the cross. Because he had, in his mind, a great kingdom in mind. For, for David, when he had those moments to, to be able to take vengeance against Saul and kill him in that moment, he said, no, 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 I'm not going to touch the anointed of God. 
I'm not going to grasp something that's not mine yet. In the same way, Jesus had many opportunities to be able to take hold of that was which was promised. I mean, he's, he's in, the, in the desert and the, the enemy is tempting him and he, the enemy is offering him pretty much everything that God had sent him to do. But yet he yields himself in obedience to his father because he understood that an earthly kingdom, an earthly throne is not why God had sent him. He had been sent from a heavenly throne to redeem for himself a bride that he would return to that same throne, prepare a place for us that we would rule and reign with him. You see, God always has the bigger picture in mind. And I don't know what sufferings or challenges or trials you might be going through right now. I want you to, to tell you to take heart. Jesus is present with you. I, I just, um, this, this quote by Eugene Peterson is from this book, from his book, Leap Over of All. He says, God is in the business of creating a holy people who are fully human. And part of being fully human is that things don't always go our way. For David, things didn't go his way. For Jesus, certainly, many, many times, wasn't easy, wasn't comfortable. For you and I, we can take heart that that is a reality. But as we see in James, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. I don't like that. I want to be like, let perseverance pass you by quickly. Let's skip over that part. But the reason why it finishes its work, so that you and I may be mature complete, lacking nothing. For David, he went through these times of trials and challenges and so many times being rejected, even when he finally could take hold of the kingdom. We see that in, in, um, in 2, 2 Samuel chapter um, 2, actually. Or actually in chapter 1, you know, he gets the, vo the, the, the news that Saul had died and we looked at just his lament and how he dealt with uh, the, the death of his enemy. But in, in chapter 2, they anoint him not of king, king of all of Israel and Judah. No, only of Judah, the divided kingdom. He was only received a portion of it. And then it was a couple of years later in chapter, um, chapter th uh, 3. Is it chap no, chapter 5, sorry. It's over here. I'm like looking at my notes right here. Only in chapter 5 do you see that he becomes king over all of Israel. And it says, um, this is the, the people of Israel's response in chapter 5 verse 2. It says, in, in times past when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, David, you shall be a shepherd of my people Israel and you shall be a prince over Israel. Who is our shepherd? Jesus is our shepherd. And just as God culminates, as, as David now ascends his throne, he not only takes on the role of a king, but he actually becomes the shepherd. In the same sense for us, as Jesus rises and ascends to his throne, he becomes our shepherd. And I want you and I to see 
that God wants us to become mature. He wants us to come into the fullness. David could have grasped and said from the beginning, a few years before, it's like, okay, no, I want it all. And have, I think, would have lost a lot of what God had planned for him. In the same way, Jesus, like I said, had many opportunities to grasp everything. But he, had, he was willing to, to wait for the fullness of time, for God's purposes to prevail, so that 40 days later he would rise, so that 50 days later his Holy Spirit, on Pentecost, aligning 100% with, with what we see in the Old Testament, the pictures and the types and copies that would be revealed. So you and I can understand and, and endure and persevere through our trials and, and challenges. Because God wants us to be mature. And even if you sometimes feel like, you know, asking like David does and many other psalmists, how long, O Lord, how long will I have to endure what I'm going through? We can have, take heart and know, wow, Lord, you are with me. You are my shepherd. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You guide me in every circumstance. I'm not alone. The third similarity between David and Jesus is the fact that both of them were exalted to their thrones. Both of them ascended to their places of honor and glory. And I believe that that, that was a, David's ascending was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would go through and would experience. And I want to just touch on three aspects that how this ascension actually affects you and I today. If Jesus has now ascended, you and I have access. I mean, it, it affects us in a dramatic way. The first thing is that you and I can rest in the knowledge that Jesus is exalted. He is above every power, principality, ruler, and authority in heaven and on earth. Everything is under his dominion. And because he's exalted there, he has now given us authority to be able to actually change uh, the world around us. God is obviously not a cosmic genie. He didn't, you know, endow us with power so that we could perform magic tricks and have things go our way. But actually, because we now serve not an earthly king, and I know, I mean, you can look at the, the news, you can experience some of the challenges, I mean... All of us are aware of these frustrations when we, when we realize that we're not living under a, an earthly kingdom anymore, but we're now living under an ascended, a glorified king. It changes everything. It changes the way I approach my work, the way I approach my parenting, the way I, I uh, actually do my worship and, and all of the aspects of my life. Because I realize that God rules over every situation. And it's my responsibility, just as David, at every point in his life, whether he was approaching a, a particular battle, or was given a particular gift, or anything in his life, he always consulted a king that he knew was above him. He would inquire of the Lord. You and I today, by the Holy Spirit, have access to God's throne room. We can enter in and speak to the King. He is actually interceding on our behalf. How amazing is that? Can, have you ever thought of what prayers Jesus might be praying for you and I today? What is he praying? 
Certainly not my short shopping list of needs, Lord Jesus. Perhaps much greater things. But we have a king that's exalted above us all. And we can rest. There's a peace. There's a quietness that comes upon us when we rest in that knowledge of our ascended king. The second aspect is that you and I can embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. Because like I said, we would not have had the Holy Spirit had Jesus not ascended. Up until that point, Jesus was only in one place at one time. Yes, he could go through walls and he could kind of teleport and, and move from place to place. He could appear to people and, and, and there was a sense. But at, at, until Jesus had ascended, his presence, the knowledge and experience of him was limited to his glorified body. But only once he ascended and poured out his spirit, it meant that he would now make his home within us. His throne is in heaven, but it's also in our hearts. His indwelling is in heaven, but it's also inside of us. That is a powerful reality, friends. And I want to ask you, I'm, I'm, I'm convicted, even as I stand here, I don't feel like I live like that. I don't live in that knowledge. I don't rest and I don't also rely and draw from the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you, the third thing is, is, are you relying on the power of the Holy Spirit for all of what you do? Every aspect. If Jesus, before his death and resurrection and ascension, was relying upon the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, how much more would you and I need to? We've just uh, recently been listening to, and I, I mean, we might even use this example a couple of times over the next series. We're going to be speaking uh, from Pentecost. We're going to be doing a series called Life in the in the power and also now reliable. They were investigating terrorists and trying to break up terrorist cells and massively successful in breaking up and figuring out how to penetrate these different things. And one day, a, uh, a CIA agent uh, came to him before he became, they, they you know, enlisted him in with the CIA. They just looked at his files from as being a, a, a police officer. And uh, and so the, the, the CIA agent puts down the file and says, okay, I want to talk to you about your files. I need you to tell me how you do what you do. And Jamie says, well, you're not going to like the answer I'm going to give you. Because this is the answer that he would give. He says, I learned that the Lord is my shepherd and that Jesus is the gate. He's the way. And every moment of my day, I'm going to ask God for guidance in what to say and what to do. So one of the first tasks to, to find a missing child, and as, a, as just a beat cop officer, not even an investigator, just someone that's an officer, he was speaking with the parents who were distraught, stressed out about their ch child that's gone, and, and he commits the cardinal sin as a police officer. He proceeds to tell the parents, don't worry, we're going to find your child. You never say that. Because the odds are against you. You've got like very little time. And so as they leave, his partner says to him, are you crazy? You've just like, he's like, I know. I, I, it just came out. I had compassion for this family. I felt like I really wanted to just be a blessing to them. And, and I really felt like that was what, what I was trusting God for. So his partner says, well, you, you do what you do. I'm going to drive. So what does Jamie do? He prays. And he says he's praying and he's asking God, help me to, to, to figure out where to go, what to do, 
And as they're driving, another vehicle passes them and he says, it feels like someone hits him in his stomach. And he's like, what was that? And, he's trying to, and he just feels the still small voice saying, pull that car over. They turn around, pull the car over, tell them, immediately open the boot, let's, let's see. And they open the boot and the child is inside the boot. He carries on with other stories and they ask him, okay, so how did you, how did you bust the, the, um, you know, the, the, the gambling, the Chinese gambling ring? How did you do that? He's like, no, well, I was at McDonald's and, and this woman walked in and I felt the Lord say to me, I must minister to her. And I introduced myself and I prayed with her and I led her to the Lord. And then she, she proceeded to tell me that I'm the wife of the, 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 the gambling ring owner. And she gave me all the books. And that's how we got her, got them. Another one's like a gang, they had a massive gang problem. And it's like, and, and he says, I, I was, in a, you know, it, it, in act, interacting with this gang leader. And, and I prayed with him and led him to the Lord. And, and you know, he gave everybody else up. So that's why the CIA agent was like, well, I don't, I don't like what you're telling me right now. Because it doesn't make sense. Friends, we have access because Jesus has ascended to the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power is available for you and I in our relationships, in our parenting, in our schools, in our workplaces. I want to ask us, are we listening? But also, are we eagerly expecting Jesus' return? Friends, I don't often live like that. I don't, I don't often think, oh, Lord, is today the day? And that same sense of urgency that God is going, Jesus is going to return, and he wants to return to a, for a mature, spotless bride. And all of our pursuit is actually pursuing what God has and his purposes and his plans. And so I want to ask you and encourage you and I to, to see the risen Christ in his rightful place, but now access his throne room on a daily basis. I want to encourage us that we would trust in the rule and reign, the sovereign. Sovereign means encompassing all. He's over, he's above everything. That we would trust in Jesus' sovereign rule over all of the earth. And every decision we make, every aspect of our lives, we would surrender control to him, not to ourselves. That we would trust, just as David did in so many parts of his life, that God is in control. God promotes, God brings the breakthrough, God brings the healing and the victory. But that also, friends, we would understand that when Jesus ascended, he also left us with this promise. We see this in or instruction or command. We see this in Acts chapter um, 1, verse 7 to 11. It says, it is not for you to know the times of the season that the Father has fixed for his own, of his own authority, that they were asking him, are you going to put together a new kingdom right now? But then Jesus says, this is verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, they were looking on, and he was lifted up into the cloud and took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, uh, as he went, 
Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. There's a promise and there is an instruction. There is waiting that's required. There is empowering that's required. And there's an eager expectation that's required. But that empowering is for a specific purpose. The ascension didn't just happen so that you and I can say, well, cool, I'm part of God's kingdom, and that's great. I have access to the Holy Spirit. I can solve cases. I can hear, oh, look, God can help me with my business decisions, and I can, I can, I can do well. I can get ahead in life. No, all of these things is actually so that we would fulfill the Great Commission. That we would proclaim that our lives would be testimony of God's favor, God's purpose, and God's plan. We would walk in the anointing that God uh, provides. We would endure the sufferings and the challenges we go through, but that we would also understand that God, because he has exalted Jesus, will also exalt us as we lift him up, as we glorify God, as we seek his kingdom first, we will see his rule and reign expand can we pray for us Lord Jesus we love you and we thank you for your word thank you Lord Jesus that you are our king that you are at work in us and through our lives Lord Jesus and that there is no one like you thank you father for the picture that we have in the life of David the parallel that we can draw into the life of Jesus and your ascension into heaven and Lord also today we can with confidence live as a people that have been set apart, part of your kingdom, kingdom agents, Lord Jesus, who will one day rule and reign with you. Empower us, Holy Spirit, for our daily lives. Help us to honor you with our words, our, our actions, and our attitudes, Lord Jesus. Let us set our minds on things above and not the things below. Let us look to you in all things and bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.